Greetings once again, Ecclesia family. This is Pastor Mike Yeager welcoming you back to our podcast series, Quarantine Made Sacred. We thank you for listening, for continuing to engage along with us in considering how God has made us to live in a time such as this, a time for which there are increasingly few, if any, words to describe. Pastor Sean has led us over the past several weeks to examine our relationship to time itself, how we engage well with our households, while in more prolonged proximity than perhaps we've been accustomed, how to live within the pace, as Sean taught this weekend, the the rhythm of these circumstances far beyond our control, how we grow in awareness, and what do we do with the reality of fear and the unpredictable ways that it may grip us. No facet of our world is untouched by this crisis. And as to what will happen next, the best we have are educated guesses. Even the present losses of employment, security, the loss of life, even in our Ecclesia family this week, the loss of a dear brother to this virus, the full scope will elude us for many seasons ahead. But in the meantime, we want to continue wrestling with the questions facing us as the church. How do we reconcile the challenging realities of this season with our distinctive call as a people made to be with, with one another, with the world as God's instrument? How do we remain together, apart? We continue to seek ways for us to remain in connection with one another as a church family. In addition to this podcast, we hope you've found Corona Conversations featuring Pastor Chris in dialogue with friends around the world, discussing the challenges these leaders face in their own circumstances, uh, considering our common hope. You can also join our Midweek Vespers on Wednesday evenings each week as we gather over Zoom for a brief time of worship and prayer for the world, our city, for one another. Our pastoral team remains available to meet with you virtually for care and dialogue about whatever you may be going through, time to pray with and for you. We have online community meetups throughout the week, family game nights, basic home improvement, book clubs, and many other fun circles to connect with fellow Ecclesians. And these opportunities will only continue to grow in the coming weeks. You can find all of that information at ecclesiahouston.org slash online care. And so today, Pastor Sean will continue teaching and guiding, exploring this week relationships that have been profoundly affected by the nature of these many preventative measures that we've undertaken as a society. Our friendships. What does it look like to be a friend in the age of COVID-19? What are the opportunities that perhaps we've taken for granted? Why are these connections more vital than ever? And how will we allow these weeks to grow us in our kindredness with one another? The Apostle Paul says to the Galatians, shoulder each other's burdens, and then you will live as the law of the anointed teaches us. Proverbs 17, 17 says this, a true friend loves regardless of the situation. And a real brother, a real sister exists to share the tough times. So Ecclesia, we find ourselves in some tough times. So as we consider what it means to be a true friend, let's join together in learning and in worship. You are loved. We're glad you're here.
Take brokenness aside and make it. 
Ecclesia. This is Pastor Sean, and welcome to episode six of Quarantine Made Sacred. We are all finding new ways of being and new rhythms during this time, and my prayer is that you're finding some beautiful God moments and God possibilities in the midst of a terrible time for so many people around the world. The more I read, the more it's becoming clear that for many of us, there will never come a time when everything will go back to normal, whatever that was. It looks like we'll be living this way or in some form or fashion of this way for a while. And that that being the case, during our time together, I wanted to share a little with you about one of the aspects of life that we desperately need now, perhaps more than ever. That's friendships and relationships. So for a couple of episodes, I'm going to talk about friendship. And here's why. I bet right now, the meaning of your relationships are more clear to you than they have been in a long time. Who is important? Why they are important? How they are important? How you have cared for and nurtured those relationships and the relationships that you haven't cared for and nurtured. Many of us are taking our relationships more seriously now than maybe ever. And maybe most of us in a time of physical distancing are wishing we had more relationships with more people or deeper relationships with the people that God's already given us. So let's spend some time appreciating, renewing, deepening, and enjoying all of our relationships. What's interesting is one of the primary experiences people report to me is that they don't have any friends. Plenty of acquaintances, but not really friends. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie I Love You Man, but it's the story of a guy named Peter who just got engaged to his girlfriend Zoe. And Zoe wants a big wedding. She plans on having a maid of honor plus six bridesmaids. And early in the movie, Peter sneaks into Zoe's house and he hears Zoe and her friends talking. He's in the kitchen and he overhears them talking about how Peter, how Zoe thinks Peter doesn't have any friends. He doesn't know who's going to be the groomsman. And he realizes it's true. He doesn't have any friends. And a couple of scenes later, they're having dinner at Peter's parents' house. And Peter's parents explained to Zoe that growing up, Peter was always a girl's boy. He always had plenty of girls who were his friends, but he never had a lot of guy friends. So this entire movie, which you probably uh, shouldn't watch unedited, is about Peter trying to find a friend. Which, if statistics are to be believed... Peter's experience is rather normal. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, hey, Sean, I've got friends. And that's probably true, depending on how you define friend. What most of us have, though, are people we can go watch a movie with or watch a game with or people to have dinner with. Remember when you could go out of your house and do all of those things? We have people that we work with and worship with. We have people that we are friendly with, even people whom we would do a great deal for. But when circumstances change or we move away or change jobs, 
when it becomes a little more complicated, that relationship, that friendship goes away. And there's, there's nothing wrong with those kinds of relationships. There are several different kinds of friends and friendships. But the kind of friendship people mean when they talk to me, when they report to me that they wish they had friends or they don't have friends, those relationships work on a much deeper level. As a matter of fact, if statistics are correct, most of us don't make new friends after we complete our final year of education, whatever year that is. Even after that, it becomes more difficult to make friends after your 30th birthday. A survey was done in 2014. One in 10 people say they do not have a close friend and even more than that say they feel unloved. Years and years ago, this wonderful book was released called Bowling Alone. And what Bowling Alone said was that if all the statistics are to be believed, what we don't have and what we crave are people in our lives that know everything about us. That we don't have people who we can be completely open with to tell our secrets and confess our sins to. We don't have as many people to look in the eye and tell the truth. And we don't have people who will look us in the eye and tell us the truth about our lives. What we don't have are people willing to risk our friendship to make us a better person, which is the core function of friendship. So when we're talking about friendship, most of the time we're talking about people who are just kind of like our buddies. But I want to talk about something more meaningful and something desperately needed and deeply felt right now, which is the virtue of friendship. The people in your life who are on the interior of your world. People who know you as well as you know yourself and in some ways know you better than you know yourself. When I say friendship, what I mean are the people in your life with whom you would not hesitate to be completely vulnerable. And there's something about the times in which we live where many of us feel very vulnerable. C.S. Lewis puts it this way in his book, The Four Loves. He says, Eros, you know, all those romantic feelings that you have. Eros, he says, will have naked bodies. Friendship, naked personalities. Now ask yourself, how many friends do you have? who know your naked personality, who know you unedited. If all of the social distancing has proven one thing, it's that for a lot of us, um, nobody even knows our real hair color. Listen to the teacher in Ecclesiastes. He talks about relationships. He says, again, I observed Another example of how fleeting life under the sun is a person who is all alone with no child, no sibling, 
yet he works hard his entire life. Still, he is never satisfied with the wealth he gains. Does he stop to ask, why am I working so hard? Or why am I depriving myself of life's simple pleasures? This too is fleeting, like trying to catch hold of a breath. It's a miserable situation. So this is what he's saying. He's basically asking, what is the point of living life alone? It's futile. It's fleeting. It's missed. Not only that, it's miserable. Like, this is a big deal. So, so whatever he's talking about here in Ecclesiastes, he's talking about a big deal. If it's got the ability to make your life miserable. And then he says this. Two are better than one because a good return comes when two work together. If one of them falls, the other can help him up. But who will help the pitiful person who falls down alone? This is the core of relationships. Who's going to be there for you when you fall? Who are you there for when they fall? What Ecclesiastes is saying about friendship echoes what we find in the book of Genesis. Remember in Genesis when God creates land and water and birds and beasts of the fields and he calls it all good, but then he creates Adam and God stops and says, oh, wait, no, it's not good for man to be alone. And in churches, if you grew up in churches, been around churches for a while, you know that we love that part. We love to talk about man being alone, God creating a woman, and everything that means about connection and love and family. But you know what we forget? We forget that the Bible says the same thing about friendship. That two are better than one. And when Ecclesiastes writes this, it's not in the context of marriage. Like one of my favorite movies called Dinner with Friends, these two couples, one's going through a divorce and the other's trying to hold them together. And at the same time, they're having to examine their own relationship. And the two men meet together after the divorce is final and people have kind of moved on with their lives. And one says to the other, he says, you know, we had something. And he's talking about their friendship. And he says, it wasn't a marriage, but it was something like it. And I think that captures what the scriptures are driving to in close friendship relationships. It's not a marriage, but it's something like it. What the Bible says is that you and I were made for other kinds of relationships, that just being married and having kids, just having you and your nuclear family That's not really the way you were created, that you actually need deep and abiding friendships that are about something, that aren't shallow, aren't flippant, that are filled with joy and laughter, but are also filled with intensity and meaning and beauty and purpose and can share the hard things of life together. Like you don't want to have a great relationship. You actually can't have a great relationship with someone that you can laugh with, but you can't cry with. Real friends, that's what we were created for. 
And if there's a part of you that feels a loneliness or an emptiness, even if you're afraid to admit it to yourself, that's the part of you that wants and needs and longs for real friends. Real friends who know the most brilliant and the darkest parts of you. Real friends for whom you take down your guard. Real friends with whom there's no pretending or false inflation of yourself. Real friends who you feel comfortable saying anything to. Real friends who will say anything to you. Real friends who know what you mean when you don't say it. And real friends who know you don't mean what you just said. And perhaps the most revolutionary thing about friendship is that friendships don't just happen. Friendships are prayed for and prayed over. They are work. They are sacrificed for and inconvenient. True friendships require vulnerability and trust and risk and hurt and heartbreak. But they produce meaning and comfort, belonging and devotion. Friendships give encouragement and consolation. But I don't want you to be naive. Friendships are hard work. About seven years ago, I read one of the few books that I think every American should read. It was Sebastian Younger's book, War. Younger is an American journalist. He was embedded with soldiers in Afghanistan. He followed the lives of a troop stationed at Restrepo in the Korengal Valley, both during and after that troop's tour of duty. Restrepo is named after a fallen soldier and a friend of that troop. At Restrepo, they saw some of the heaviest combat during their time in the service, and Sebastian Younger was interested to see how they would resettle into civilian life. And in the book, Younger says that civilians don't miss war, but soldiers often do. He says in the book, I was particularly close to a guy named Brendan O'Byrne. I'm still very good friends with him. He came back to the States. He got out of the army. I had a dinner party one night. I invited him and he started talking with a woman, one of my friends, and she knew how bad it had been out there. And she said, Brendan, is there anything at all that you miss about being in Afghanistan about the war? And he thought about it quite a long time. And finally he said, ma'am, I miss almost all of it. And he's one of the most traumatized people I've seen from that war. Ma'am, I missed almost all of it. What's he talking about? He's not a psychopath. He doesn't miss killing people. He's not crazy. He doesn't miss getting shot at and seeing his friends get killed. What is it that he misses? Well, Younger goes on to say, he says, I think what he missed is brotherhood. He missed in some ways the opposite of killing. What he missed was connection to the other men he was with. And those are the kind of relationships the scriptures are calling us to. 
to step into and to seek out for ourselves and for others. In the Bible, in the early pages of the Bible, there are very few relationships called friendships. But strangely, by the time we read books like Psalms and Proverbs, there are all these teachings on how to be friends. But what the Bible calls friends are people committed to one another in every circumstance. As a matter of fact, there are two brothers early in the scriptures, Cain and Abel. Cain kills Abel. And when Cain is called into account by God, he says the strangest thing. He doesn't say, I didn't do it, or what are you talking about? He just says, am I my brother's keeper? Cain is asking, do I have any responsibility to another person I'm not married to? We know from earlier in the story that Adam and Eve are responsible for and to one another, but what about other people? So Cain asked God, am I my brother's keeper? When Rochelle and I were living in Houston the first time, we were friends with two of the most wonderful people. They were in their 60s and we were in our 20s. They took us under their wing and he helped us in the early days of parenthood. And years after knowing them, as we were leaving Houston to move to California and we were sad about all of that, the wife and the couple, she told us, you know, there will always be some people you will carry with you. And I always remember that. And Rochelle and I started calling that class of people, those people that you always carry with you. We call them keepers. And I say all of this about friendship and quarantine just to offer this simple invitation. In this time of physical distancing, reinvest and reinvent your relationships. In these days where we have to pull away, where we have to be away, what if the call of God right now is for you to reach out and connect, not just when you need it, but because we all need it. That God has given us this community of people, a community of people through your entire lifetime for you to draw upon, to support and be supported by. And I know we are all tired of Zoom calls, but what if God is using this moment in your life to give you back a piece of life that you need? What if what emerges as the new normal is a more connected you? What if this time is designed for you to connect? And so Ecclesia, I leave you with this blessing and may it be a salve to your heart. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to make you stand without blemish in the presence of his glory with rejoicing. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time 
and now and forever. Amen. Egypt in the wilderness, a kingdom made of dust. Built an idol out of happiness, a paradise of Christ. We lost all the meaning, drowned out the feeling, our hearts barely. Revive us again in your unfailing love Restore us again, God of our salvation Revive us again in your unfailing love We have trusted in the meaningless And chased the life Shadowlands, where comfort is our key. We lost all the meaning, drowned out the feeling, our hearts barely beating. Restore us again, God of our salvation, revive us again in your unfair. God of our salvation, 